These kids have been doing this all weekend. So days before today, they were practicing and they were here yesterday from three o'clock to the service. And today they've been here just wanting to lead us in worship. There's a great importance for us here as a church to see how these kids that are sat there, my own, our own children started there. I see those kids who are taller than me now. They all started being in children's grade school and I see others and some of you are online. So we want to really be able to be thankful for the place where the children can lead us. We have a great children's ministry, early childhood and grade school. If your child is here for five years, they go through the Bible twice. From first to fifth grade, they'll go through the Bible three times. My wife and I can testify to that because our children did that. So thank you for that. But look at what the children led us into. You know, right here, giving offering. How many of you have done that recently in this building? I checked with one of our governing elders yesterday, maybe 10 years ago, we did that. But giving tithes and offering is part of worship. It's part of our expression of all that God has given to us, our time, our talent, and our treasures. God gives all of that. So we'll be seeing how more we can do that for big church because they do it all the time in, in kids' church, so we'll start doing that in little church. I also wanted to take this time, we'll be talking a little bit about family today, but all of us here, we belong to this faith family that God has called us to Northland. So all that Northland is by the Spirit of God is you and I. We need to absolutely depend upon the Spirit of God to lead us. You know, clean the past and the present, we trust Him and we can obey Him for the future. So I want us to get a challenge that it is us who will make this the body of Christ at Northland. So we want to be very open to you guys. If you are here for the first time, you're warmly welcome to be part of the family of God at Northland. Whether you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior or you're just checking it out online in person, you are welcome to be part of the family here. And we want to be here to serve everyone that God brings through these doors. It is not doing what we want, but what the Spirit of God will lead us to do. So we want to be a church that follows God's word, pray for others. If any, at any service, at the end of the service, we're always here up front to pray, or if you want, you can join in the prayer room. During the week, we have ministers on duty, uh, volunteers who just wait here to be able to listen to people and to be able to pray for them and with them. We do more than just a weekend gathering. During the week, uh, people not only come here, but we do visit at home. There are classes, classes for celebrate recovery. We have classes for divorce care and grief share. All of that makes the family of God that it is not just this one event that is church. Church is the people that God brings that we can be able to build the family of God together. So you're invited to seek these ways. How can you join in? How can you participate? We also, uh, you know, the kids are always leading. At the end of the service, at 2 o'clock, we'll be back here for a baby uh, baptism. So be able to come along with those families. And there are different things that happen. So be involved. We invite you to include others and to be able to build 
the family. The question we'll be considering also today, how do you choose to be part of a family? How do you choose, um, biologically, everyone will belong to a family in the room here. So when we talk about family, we're going to be very specific in the text we have today. But whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether you're separated, whatever status you are, we need you to be part of our family here. We need to be connecting with people so that we build the kingdom of God and the beauty that God has for us. I also want to take this time to really thank many, many of you that even though I may have asked some of you, some I didn't, now I'm asking all of you online, iron, iron sharpens iron. I have some of you here are friends. You really have to be in my face. I need that. You know, some of you, you know, you're able to tell me, well, you're talking very fast, you have an accent, I can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> right? I like that, I get that, I get that. But I love that because that is the way that you are able to, you, you know, you cannot be transparent if you are not vulnerable. You know, so I come and I say, hey, brother and sister, tell me, you know, whether it's in the scripture I'm reading or whether whatever I'm doing, you could say, hey, get back on the path. That is what the family of God does. Text messages, emails, phone calls, coffee times. So I laid that before you, you know. So that has helped to shape my wife and I, because this is the family that God has called us to at Northland. This is the family where I'm going to grow. It's been over 24 years. And being at Northland over 24 years, and last June 30, my wife Jennifer and I, we just celebrated 37 years here at Northland. So we are uh, of marriage, 37 years of marriage. So we came here 37 years, we've been married and 24 at Northland, but we came here with our daughters. Two of our daughters, they grew up, they did this kind of stuff the kids were doing. They were in grade school, they went to middle school and high school and college. But this is the place that shaped us by the Spirit of God. This is the place that God said the word and prayer of these believers in this church, they are able to let us be the people where we want to be that for each one of you here. We want each one of you to be able to say, hey, brother and sister, this is how we do our family together. Not easy for us to raise two daughters. Huh, quite a, quite a job, you know, or even in our own marriage struggles and things like that. So we want to be very open to the Spirit of God. We don't have it all together. If you thought you came to the church that have it all together for the fact that you joined us, we're not all altogether now. There's no perfect church, but Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, gives the victory and the salvation. So we're going to be talking about this family, but I just wanted to show you a picture of how I chose my family and how that family expands and unfolds. So this picture is my natural family, four of us. So I had two daughters, and the one that this picture was December the uh, 4th, right here in Maitland. Somebody said I didn't talk about the destination. You know, people correct me. This is the, the Maitland place there where December 4th, uh, and Andy got, got married. And so to the far left there is my son-in-law. He's a guy from Michigan. He finished college. He was down here working. He said he was part of the connecting team. I don't know whether he was connected with the congregation or with my daughter, but... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, there was a connection. And they have two boys. They're expecting another one um, next month. Kathy and Steve, they live out in Castle Rock, Colorado, and Jenba and I. And Angela, 
And she also grew up here, you know, went to school in this area, but got married to a PK, pastor's kid. So married to Omar, Omar's parents, uh, over there to his right, are also pastors in this church in Orlando, uh, Ruben and Astrid Perez. And then their son, who is holding the baby, is also a pastor with dad in his church, and that's his wife. They now have two daughters. And next to Jonathan is his sister and team with their two boys. So that's how our family expanded. You know, we came here four, and now I count those as my family. And when you have a mixed family like that, people from Michigan, you know, and then you have African-Americans, then you have Latinos. Can you imagine when we get together? <laughs> what that looks like. That was actually the whole wedding party. We had planned 100 people with, with COVID weddings, so that's what it, it ended up in. So it's one big challenging family, but we love each other. We're dedicated to each other. I believe you two have those families. Part of the homework this week is to start to see what is the family that God has given to, to you. But also being in this church in 2007, there's another expression of this family that God had called us to at Northland. So when this building was open right on the stage, we had this other family. That was one of the first services we had here. That was the family that shows that when you belong to Christ, your family expands. And so all of those people were all from different parts of the world. We have people from Brazil. They, are, they were represented at the church and the Brazilians in our congregation. We had some brothers from Egypt. They were there in the, in the picture. And some of the other pastors, Dr. Hunter and Becky Hunter, they were here with us at that time. We have some family members from Ukraine. We have some other family members who were from um, China. So that's a whole different expansion of the family. I share these pictures with you that even though we may be talking about nucleus family, but Jesus wants his family to be every brother and sister, anywhere, black or white, whatever you are, to show the beauty of the gospel of the family. So that was that family continued. We are in touch with many of those brothers and sisters and how we continue to do ministry. We have been dealing with this text that talks about rooted. So when we are rooted in family, I wanted to give that as a backdrop that we will talk about the family unit that this passage of scripture talks about, but also our desire to grow, to expand our church, is to go beyond just our nucleus family. So in the text we are looking about rooted in family, just a reminder, make sure you are gathering those scripture verses we give to you. Marisol just did the scripture verse for this weekend. Make sure you are learning those scriptures. But we are all seeing that in a family, in this context in, in Colossians, what we see here, Christ is number one. Christ is all in all. But that church was very mixed with Greeks, with Romans, with Jews, with Gentiles. It was quite a mixed church. So Paul, writing to the Colossian church from the prison where he was, wanted to make sure that the family unit it's so important that we have to be able to establish the family and see what are the instructions, what are the guidelines, what are the roles, what are the responsibilities for anyone in the family. Now, you may say, well, I'm here, this is about married people. Every one of us, we're connected in this text. 
because we're going to be reading about children and we're also going to be reading about the job you do as workers, as employer and employees. So Paul is laying this out so that we can know how we belong to the faith family, but also how we belong to the community family. The text we're reading today will be just a high point. I want to encourage you to really pull out our Digging Deeper Bible study where you'll be able to grasp a lot of this. We put a good Bible study together that you can print out and you can share to be able to know what this is all about. I'm reading from two sections of scriptures. The one in, in Colossians, but also I'll be mentioning the one in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, because Paul was writing these letters to these two churches, and these roles and responsibilities are well listed there. So if you can, please stand as we read, if you are able to, as I read Ephesians 5, 21, and Colossians 3, 18 to 4, 1. Ephesians 5, 21. Submit one another out of reverence for Christ. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, walk at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does, not, who, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, provide your slaves with whatever is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Father, now the hearing, the understanding, and the obedience of your word, may you do that by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. What we're going to look at in this text, we're going to just look at those three categories, husbands and wives, children and fathers, slaves and masters, after each one, we're going to pause. I will give a general guide, just what you can pray for. You may have specifics in your area to pray for, but I will just give a general and you can pray specifically for an area that affects you in your own household, whether it's a household of faith or it is. So in the context here, Paul is writing to the family and he's talking about a man and a woman clearly. When he says wives, he's talking about women. When he says husbands, he's talking about men. That is a biblical understanding of the family units that God has created. So let's see how he starts with the wives, and he says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. The premise of all of these categories is in the Lord. Ephesians 5.21, it says, uh, you submit to the Lord. So when we read here, wives submit to the Lord and, and your husband, is that for your growth and fulfillment? The way God wants your family units to demonstrate what the church is as a faith people is the wives submitting to the husband under the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
because he made us all equal and complete. So he said your submission doesn't mean a surrender. It doesn't mean you're made in the image of God, you just cower down and you know you are just passive. That's not what this text is talking about. Women have high value before God. Women are made complete in the image of God and are given gifts, talents, and abilities for what they do. So this submission here is what is the submission that is pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just submit, submitting to a violent, abusive man. That's not what the scripture is talking about here because he, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment, husbands. But it's saying if you really want to be the one that we show, then your role as the wife is that you know he's obeying the Lord, you know he has challenges, but his heart is fully dedicated to the Lord. So in all the twists and turns you go into your marriage, I can be able to defer to your husband. So that is what puts a family unit together. That is what makes a strong home. That is what established. I know women in this congregation and some of you online, how powerful God has gifted you in the kingdom. I know that because I married one. You always marry up, right, guys? Say yes. Yeah. And also just raising two daughters. Oh, my goodness. You know, for all those years before they became women and are out there, I just knew that there's great value. Now that they are wise, we can look back. So that's the, the first thing he says to the women. And next he says, husbands, love your wives above everything. Show your sacrifice to her like Christ for the church. So what we're reading here is that this love is agape love. This is not loving your wife like you love your car or you love your jacket or you love your, your drinks or you love your, your ice cream. That's not what he's talking about. This is the love that you sacrifice yourself, you give yourself completely to this one man and this one woman. That you are dedicated to this woman and that's what he's saying. You love her everything you give to her. In fact, if you read in the, in the Ephesians passage, it has a lot to say. It's a longer description in Ephesians 5. Because he's saying the love you should have for your wife is like how Christ loved the church. And it's comparing Christ and the church and husband and wife. He said you have to make yourself clean and holy and pure. Husbands, just like Christ did that for the church. And he says, husbands, you ought to love your wives like your own bodies. So you can read the extension of that in, in, in Ephesians. The role is given that you give your life. Christ gave his life for the church. Husbands, be placed in that position that your love is everything for your wife, that you are dedicated. You are protector, you are provider, your presence and the power of God in you will help you to be that husband. This is not easy. You ask a woman I've lived with for 37 years, she'll tell you I didn't make it all the time in that my own area. But I think the reason why we are giving these highlights here is because our submission is ultimately to Christ. So I want us to just take a moment, whatever is your specific and general way, just to pause and pray for those two categories. And let's just look at these requests. They are very general, but you can make it specific. Give God thanks for your household. Pray about submitting to the word of God and to your household, husbands and wives. Obey the Lord in your households. Let love and joy be in your household. Let's pray for a minute here.
Father, hear our prayers in Jesus' name. We continue in this text here that Paul has now talked about husbands and wives. Then the family message, he continues. He now says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. The, home, the children he's talking here are the children who are underage, the children who are in your home, the children who in, in our Western culture here, you'll say up to 18. Okay, let's take that. By the way, it's different from my own culture. You stay at home until somebody, those girls got married and this guy can take care of them. So they stay longer. Anyway, that's the way, how we raise our children. But he's talking on that underage children that you, the family, you provide the godly training at home. That you model what it means to be able to show the authority under God where you are and you show your children in ways that they can start to know that how do I discover that? It's in the home. This is a biblical teaching that was very clear with the Hebrew children. And the Hebrew children, you read in Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. You should love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind. And these things you should teach them to your children. We as parents, it's no option when you have children to say they can make choices. You don't make choices to come to church. You don't make choices to tell whether they can brush their teeth or not. That is what is your godly responsibility to be the children they can receive from the parents. Because in the, in, we can see even in, in the story of Moses, you know, as a little boy, he was under a direction. In this case, he was directly under his sister and his mother. In the book of Proverbs, it's loaded with examples of how do you teach your children? And he said, give them instructions, give them training in the home, at the dinner table, when you're walking around, and all of these things that you do for your children. Some of us even strongly believe that even in the, in the time of pregnancy, you can start to pray for those children, that the time will come when they will listen, they will understand, they will obey, not always easy, wasn't easy, uh, raising girls. Uh, we always talk about children, our third culture kids. You know, we come from a West African culture, then we come here to a Western culture, then we define another Christian culture for them. But that is the godly responsibility for parents. The kids in your house, you set the rules. You give the guidelines, what they should do and what, what they don't do. I know what it means when they're in middle school, they think they know it all. Then they get to high school, you are facing all the challenges. I remember one of the, the pastors here, his wife said, make sure that you go through grade school because your daughters are going to go six, seven, and eight. But don't continue to be uh, just a, a grade school. Grow with them and be able to make a difference. So that is the function we have at home. We strongly believe the scriptures we pour in their hearts, there will be time, they will go astray, there will be difficulties. And so uh, parenting your adult children, where we are now, where Jennifer and I, is a whole different challenge. It's a whole different challenge. They make their own choices. They, they, they develop their own customs and their habits. But that is where we trust God with them. We trust God that, you know, my daughters and my son-in-laws, that both of them coming from families that raised them as a Christian, whatever their own challenges, I am believing that God is bigger than my, my, my children and in-laws, but God will transform their hearts. So there's a place for parenting. Parenting never ceases. That's our job, but your function and your role will change with my adult children 
but you who have these little ones at home, you got the job, stay with it, trust the Lord, face the challenges, overcome the victory that Christ gives. Paul goes on next to talk about the children. He says, um, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now, the word fathers here has really been translated as parents, but he's referring to the dad. Dad, we have great job to do with our kids at home. They are not just your friends, they are your children. So Paul is saying here, Dad, were you able to stand up with your children? Are you able to encourage them, discipline them in obedience? Are you able to be able to see your children that you are not the dad that is always nagging, nagging, nagging at your children? You know, if they break your coffee, I did some of that, then you just get off the rail there. Or you're just nagging sometimes, you say you didn't make the grade. You measure, your measuring of your children becomes very wrong. But don't be the dad that is nagging, but the dad that is encouraging. Set rules and guidelines that you and mom together, the kids will know. You all know kids play the games, right? Well, they say this to mom, they say that to dad, and you two end up, you know, going against each other. But that is the role of the parents to be able to provide that. And also, lived out the gospel to the children. Let Christ be the center of your home. They know what you believe, they know what you stand for, and they can know your Christian value. Let it be in the home. Even though they may be gone far away, but they will come back to the home, what is the center? When any child says to their parents, don't pray for me, they just open the door, you pray for them. So let's just take some time now as we as parents and pray for our children and pray for the role of fathers. Let us pray. In Jesus' name, we have one more to go. So you see the first categories as wives and husbands. I trust you will develop some habits and patterns in God's household as Christians that we are praying for every one of these categories. We don't stop to pray for that. And the children and the role of the fathers. At the end of this, uh, today, at 2 o'clock, we gather here for a baptismal service for, for children. But one of the things I give to every one of those couples is a card that my wife and I have used for years. How you can pray for your child every day of the week, uh, uh, seven days a week, 12 months of the year, you could pray for them. Believe in the power of prayer to bring transformation. Now, Paul turns the corner here that in this passage is talking about slaves and masters. Now, we only wish that Paul had really written his own thesis about, well, there's no slavery and things like that. But in the fallen world we live, this was happening right there in, in Colossae, that the church was mixed up with these Greek Romans and, 
and Jews and barbarians, as we saw last week. But every one of them, they had slaves that were helping them in their homes. So the translation of this in the 21st century is employer and employee. Some of these slaves that they were there to help even raise the children of these masters they have. Some of these slaves, they may have worked out their time, you know, they, they paid off and they are free, but they decided to stay with, the, with their masters. Others were still providing labor so that they can be set free. So in this context, and we apply that to our century today, that this was allowed at that time. But today, we need to be able to say we are employers and employees. Every one of us, I hope, we are gainfully employed or in whatever form, at home, at work, but also we work for someone. Whatever your job is, even moms at home, it's a full-time job to be a mom. Sometimes I just wonder, a daughter with two boys and a husband, it's a busy job. So you may be a stay-at-home mom. Thank you for all you do. You're doing a great job. We have a lot to learn from you. But he said, whatever job you do, whether you're in the center of Florida, the industries and the things that God has given or wherever you're watching us online, we have to be the best Christians who have a high ethics and value in the jobs we do. We are not the one that just, like the scriptures say, don't only do it when they are looking at you, you know, to gain their favor. But our memory verse for this week is, whatever you, you do, walk us unto the Lord. Let the job you are employed, gainfully employed, be the place where it is your worship, it is your witness, and you are able to demonstrate Christ in all things. So be thinking, don't just join the other employees, complain and gripe. Yeah, systems may be wrong. We live in a fallen world. You may not have it all. I have my own, I am employed by Northland. You think it's all 100%? You talk to my elders and you talk to my peers and you talk to staff under me. I have to be able to say, I want to show Christ in my employment here. It's tough. It's tough. But that's what we're called to, to take our work as an act of worship. So the challenge here is to examine where you are right now that you are saying, God, this job you provided for me, God, this work you've given for me, I, I am upset about some things, but I want to show Jesus Christ. The reason is there in the text. It says, you not only have your human masters, in verse 23 and 24, but you also have an inheritance in the Lord who will reward you. So I not only want to be say I'm gainfully employed by Northland, but King Jesus, who is all in all, is checking on me, how do I do my job? So that's where I, as an employ, uh, employee, I'm, 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 I'm looking at. I want to do what I'm called to do, but also King Jesus is the one I'm looking up to. How does he show me the work that I do? Then Paul ends up this section by saying, don't show any favoritism, but he said, masters, the people who work for you, be very fair and don't show favoritism. A worker's is what's his wage. So you have one master that you are committed to, and that is Jesus Christ himself. So all the people below you, make sure that they see Christ in you. All the people that you are, you are serving, make sure that you can tell them, I look to the greatest master, King Jesus. Now, some employments that people have are very challenging. The expectations, the realities of the difficulty. Seek the favor of God. So whether you're an employer or you're an employee, 
we are submitting and we're working under Christ who has provided this for us. So we have to be thankful and we have to be grateful in that household of employment to seek the Lord. So let's just take a moment for prayer in our places of work, employee or employers. Let us pray. In Jesus' name. Verse 23 is the same as verse 17 of Colossians chapter 3. Whatever work you do, work with all your heart as walking unto the Lord. So whether this is your family, in verse 17, it reads here, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we have the challenge here, as we've seen, is the family unit. Is the Christian family the rules, the responsibilities, the instructions that are given to wives and husbands? Submitting first to the Lord and wives submitting to what God has given to you. And husbands, all out love, your agape love for your, for your wife that God has given to you. And then the children, you listen to your parents, how God is forming that unit. As you grow up and as you go away, you're able to see God as the absolute authority. And those of us with adult children, we're trusting God wherever they are, whatever, we can believe that they will, they will obey what God has given to them. And then in our employment, and employee-employer. But I want to end up with these two questions. Then we'll wrap uh, this time up. But the two questions are for each one of us. How would you describe your family in one sentence or in a slogan? That's a fun stuff to do, you know? Your family is the one that shows hospitality. They just like to cook. They like to go camping. There's something unique about each of those families. And I think the way my mom and dad raised me, and I brought that into my own family unit, you know, mom, mom was just happy-go-lucky Angela all the time. And dad, James, was everything gets with the rules. But that is what God used to form us what we are with the family we have. How will you obey the word for the family that Paul wrote about? This is not an option that culture is going to determine or customs or friends. God has given these clear instructions about the family. So this question for us is, how do I choose the family? If it's the faith family, is by trusting Jesus as my savior, to believe in him and to walk with him. And we want you to be able to share that with your church uh, family in whatever way that will go. Let us know, we're open to that. We want to be able to hear God tells us we're building the family. But also you may be here, maybe you've been coming lonely, 
We want to be the friend. We need to look around and say, oh, they are single guys, they are single girls, or they are family unit. We need to be able to find those families that invite them in your home, include them, whether you are part of a class, you share that together, whether you're just part of a group, you just hang out together. We want, that's what grows the church, that's what builds the church. So we want to be able to provide that in any way that God will let us do, and it's an open invitation for me, my wife, my family, our church, to build the family of Northland. Some of you families, you make our life exciting. You know, just getting to know your kids, you know, and mom and dad are so separate, like Bob and my sister over there. But they are the wonderful family I always like to be with because I draw energy from them, I learn from them. So thank you for being a great family there. But I'm going to talk, we're going to watch a video about a couple who are part of a church, how they learn to build their own family, children, but how also they, their biological family was expanded to a family in local and global areas. And this also, they demonstrated submission to each other. And together they agreed that this is what this family is about and this is how we can include others in our family. So let's watch and, and hear how this family have shown a godly family. 